hello, ladies, gentlemen, those of us who prefer not to identify, and welcome to Season 2 of In Poor Spirits. We, of course, are your hosts. Uh, this is my lovely co-host. Dimitri Gallus. That's right. And I am Mark Hunyu, as always. We're back. Woo! Yeah. What's we up? took a whole week off. A week off. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Season 2 a little season bit. Season 2, let's go. So, we kind of mentioned last time... Uh, last couple times we spoke that season two, we got and wanted to go more in a craft cocktail direction. Yeah. Just get to get more involved in weird aspects of what we do and learn more and, and kind of see where traditions come from and things like that. Yeah. And also stop making just classic cocktails and start going into our own creative reservoirs to make uh, our own things. For better or for worse, that's what we're going to do today. So we decided to make a little project out of it. We have picked a god of uh, some sort of alcohol, each of us a different god. And we are going to talk about that god. And at the end, we are going to cooperatively decide uh, which god is the better god of alcohol? When have I ever been cooperative? I'm just saying this is going to be a peaceful discourse. All right, all right. Yeah, all right. yeah we're not going to get too intense, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I have taken it upon myself to uh, grab Maya Huel, and I am most likely going to butcher every name because these Aztec gods are insane. Uh, and the limited research I did had me uh, looking for pronunciations left and right. But Maya Huel is the goddess of agave uh, or tequila or mezcal, depending on uh, where you're from. And basically the plant is, is the most general goddess that she is. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make a drink that is inspired by her and give it to you. It's going to have tequila. I'm I'm trying I think this is gonna end horribly because I'm going based off of color. She is the god of a goddess of agave, and she is always depicted in their kind of um hieroglyphs as this womanly figure coming out of a plant, and her skin is the same color as that kind of blue agave plant color. So I'm I'm gonna try and mimic that if I can. Cool. My god is Dionysus. Dionysus, don't know if I'm saying that right, but he is a very interesting dude. He's the Greek god of wine, ritual madness, and a bunch of other stuff. He's very mischievous. Ugh, mischievous. I think I made you a cocktail that is kind of, or I'm going to make you a cocktail that's kind of interesting and weird. Mischievous in itself because it's mainly alcohol. Okay. But it's a shaking cocktail. It's a, it's a beer cocktail as well. Okay. And it kind of all plays into... The idea, it, going back to, to episode 12 uh, of Peach versus Mango as well. Oh no, you're bringing up that age-old fight? Yeah, yeah. So it's not really a fight because in this instance, they're going to work together. But you're saying there's going to be a unity of the mango and the peaches. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Cocktail. I like it. All right. Well, if you are drinking with us today, please go and uh, grab whatever it is you're drinking, be it tea, be it alcohol, be it whatever. Uh, we'll be right back. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, buddy. Oh, wow. I love your face. That is so bad. It's bad, yeah. It's But it's the color I wanted. It's the right color, but it is not good. I um, something what, what did today. you put in there? Uh, so to get the color needed, uh, I had to put in blue carousel and uh, Midori. Oh, you went with Midori yeah. instead of the creme de menthe on this one. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's so sweet, dude. It's, it's so, so sweet. It's so sweet. You guys, we've learned something today. Don't do a cocktail based off of color. Anyways, we well, will okay. call this one the Maya Huel. And you know what? I'm going to say that this sad, sad taste does mix in with the story of, of my goddess. I'm, I'm going to start us off. That's all right. Uh, we're going to break down the goddess or god that we've chosen. I, of course, as I said in the beginning, chose Maya Huel, who is an Aztec goddess of agave. And the Aztec religion and beliefs are very nutty. I'm going to kind of crash course it, and it's going to sound almost like I'm going into some sort of conspiracy theories. But back before time and Earth and anything, there was a double god or a one god who was one being. They either split into two beings or two beings merged into this one being. Regardless, that two or one godly person and one I'm one way or another one way or another happens. yeah it, well, it, it was mentioned that it, it was known as like this dual god and it was one form and I'm I'm unclear as to whether it asexually reproduced and made four children or if like it turned into two beings and then had these children but it had these four god children who all lived in the 13th heaven. And these god children wanted to make the earth. So they, they took a lot of time. Uh, they actually tried to make the earth a few times over. And I believe our story with Maya Huel begins in that first iteration. So uh, she was uh, actually a daughter who was born of Tsitsi Miel, if I am saying that correctly. And I had trouble finding this uh, particular goddess. I believe it's also a goddess because in the Aztec uh, beliefs, she was mentioned to be the grandmother of Maya Huel. And she was actually kind of an eater of light or a, a devourer of light. She, was, she wasn't a good goddess. She, she had very ma uh, malintent to her purpose. And she actually locked Maya Huel away because Maya Huel was so beautiful and, and locked her away in the cosmos and the stars. So Maya Huel was locked away and just yearning for passion and, and just to be alive. And she wanted to go explore more, but Tsitsi Miel had kept her locked away. So Maya Huel started to sing this sad, sad song, like a very sad, disgusting drink. But it was still beautiful in color. <laughs> yeah. It was still a beautiful, alluring, alluring song. And it, it took the attention of this great wind god called Quetzalcoatl. I'm going to butcher all of these. And that I, sounds right. Yeah, I Quetzalcoatl. I heard that in my life at one time. And he heard this song and he wanted to go find her. So he, he searched all four corners of the cosmos. And at this point in the story, the earth had been made at least once. And uh, Quetzalcoatl finds her and they fall madly in love. And he sweeps her away on his wind. She and him just kind of dance. And Titi Miel, she finds out and is pissed off. And she goes, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to kill these people because she knows she cannot crush their passion. For once passion is found, it is stronger than all the gods combined. So Tsitsi Mizel has only one option to stop this and to keep her, her granddaughter isolated, which is just to kill both of them. And once Quetzalcoatl finds out about this, he decides to sweep Maya Huel away with his wind and bring her down to earth where they both transformed into these plants that kind of intertwine together and shown their their like uh, succulents and their spikes up to protect themselves. 
And when Tsitsi Miao found out that uh, her granddaughter was gone, she sent her demons out to go find them. This is unclear. Uh, there is a bit of speculation here because when I found out that she's a grandmother, Tsitsi Miao, I, I tried to look into this goddess a little more because there wasn't a lot of reference to her. And I was looking at a few different stories and of course, our, our pride and joy. I was I was absolutely on Wikipedia as well looking yeah, for this stuff. So Wikipedia, let me see if I can find this real quick, actually refers to Tsitsit Miel as a mysterious deity associated with the stars. They were depicted as skeletal female figures wearing skirts. In post-conquest descriptions, they are often described as demons or devils but this does not necessarily reflect their function in the pre-Hispanic belief system of the Aztecs. So I think the Aztecs had her as more like one figure who was this devourer of light and then kind of post-conquest of the, of the Spanish. That's when it turned into just these skeletal demons in gold with all of these kind of death symbols around them. But at first, I think she was kind of this evil grandmother to these Aztecs. The god's name? Tzitzi Miel. And I think I'm... It, so what's, how you spell the, it uh... is it's T-Z-I-T-Z-I-M-I-T-L. And I've, I've been trying to find the pronunciation, but it's very hard. I, I think it's Tzitzi Miel. But, uh... So there's a... There's an old wise story or whatever it is, but it's it's like a Hispanic thing, and it's like their version of the boogeyman. La Llorona? No, no, that's not it. It's it's like a dark woman, and it's like a like the is she associated with water? No. Okay. Well, maybe maybe not then. Well, here let me finish. Real but anyway, yeah. just just because I don't yeah. want to get off topic too too much just yet, because we're almost at the end here. They're now down on Earth, right? Quetzalcoatl and Maya Huel trying to escape from Titi Miel, and she ends up finding them on Earth, and she comes down. And actually cuts up Maya Huel into pieces, just shreds her up. And the story goes that she actually fed pieces of Maya Huel to her demons or whatever sort of dark deity army that she was in command of and accidentally left one piece behind, which Quetzalcoatl found and in his sorrow and anguish buried in this very fertile volcanic land. And he would sit there every night and weep tears over her. And the gods kind of saw this and, and felt for him, felt so bad for him, that they decided to grant her hallucinatory effects. And this, this new plant that came w with her deceased godly body, this uh, basically nectar of the gods that would make you feel better in times of sorrow and things of that. And that's where tequila comes from, from this agave plant that is the nasty cut up pieces of an old god when we used to talk or when we talked about tequila in the past we learned that before they made tequila they just fermented agave and made almost like a wine or a beer pulque right pulque, pulque yeah. is what they called it um so that's cool yeah so that is her inception story she was i mean it's almost like a rapunzel story right locked away in the stars by an evil grandmother uh sought after by some prince charming quetzalcoatl um they they did live a little little romance out, but in the end, it was heartbreak. Always heartbreak with these gods. What I like about the Aztec gods too is they're very human. They feel, they love, they they have jealousy, rage, all that stuff. They they are they very much have that human condition and and are cursed with that as well. But are still these heavenly beings who can create the world. I 
the the gods themselves before this like Maya Huel came into play those four children could not decide who would actually rule the world who would create the earth they all had to basically take part at being the sun and whoever was the sun would be in control of the world so they took turns at being the sun and in order to usurp the sun one of the gods would usually come up and like actually like punch it out of the sky and take its place and some would burn brighter than others in like one of the fourth iterations they said that this sun needed blood and that's why these aztecs would sacrifice virgin sacrifices i remember learning about that back in sixth grade and they would do these blood sacrifices in like machu picchu and all these awesome aztec uh, temples that that they've left for us and it's because of these beliefs that they had in, in these gods where they thought they were giving their blood to the sun to make it burn brighter. It's it's crazy. We could do a whole episode on Aztec gods, and I really wish I did more religious classes. <laughs> Anyways, gotcha. that's that's my Huel in a nutshell. And I, I apologize if any of that's wrong to you historians listening out there, but um, that is my regurgitation version. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and it's it's cool where you can see, like, a lot of cultural things that may have been inspired just by her story. The traditions were passed down and became part of Mexican culture, it seems, because they continue to ferment agave to make them feel better. Um, so I made you a drink. Yes, it's really good. <laughs> I feel so bad. All right, so Dionysus, right? He, You kind of just hit on two things about him um, with the mention of wine. Uh, he is the god of winemaking and wine and is said to have invented wine um, and brought it back to Greece and introduced it to them, to the Greeks. Uh, I don't know how true that is. Whatever. <laughs> Probably not. Obviously, it's a god. So, um, But anyway, so Dionysus has this crazy fucking origin story and he is the god that was born twice. Um, so, inspired by that, I made you a cocktail. Uh, other than the idea <laughs> or uh, insanity because it doesn't sound like it should work and it does and all these weird things and they all get tied in so I thought why not do a <laughs> this is gonna sound really stupid a double birth cocktail right I shook it finished the cocktail it could have been finished like that topped it with beer to make it a totally different drink uh, it is Toki whiskey again like we had in episode 12 uh, it is a little bit of monkey shoulder scotch Ooh. some dry carousel uh, peach blossom liqueur, peach bitters, and Jamaican bitters. This is not a cocktail I would ever make a bartender make for me. That right there was, I think, six touches. That's, yeah. And yeah. then shaken, and then I topped it with this really awesome beer um, from Old Irving Brewing here in Chicago uh, called Cushy. And believe it or not, it is a mango peach sour. So it all kind of plays back into... It really does. Season 1, episode 12 as well. Yeah. And... I think they work really well together in that beer, and I think that that beer works surprisingly well in the cocktail. It It's delicious. I know I gave you the shittiest drink this week. You gave me a real gem. This might be one of my favorites. I think I want to call it either <laughs> religious ecstasy or ritual madness, though, just for fun. Because those are two of the things that he's the god of. I like ritual madness. I don't yeah. I don't know what that means. I can't explain. It, it kind of gets brought in. Perfect. I'll wait. So, um, anyway, 
Dionysus, crazy cool god. He is very symbolic to me of the industry that we work in and the nightlife of Chicago. We've talked about it in the past, but you kind of have to be a little crazy to work in a bar, right? Like you have to deal with drunk people and be ready to hang out with that. But we also really appreciate the other side of alcohol, like making wine, making beer, stilling like that's something that we're into too so it's kind of representative of what i think of as the industry cool so dionysus also was said to have taught the mortals how to plow fields in the first place instead of doing it by hand using oxen and so they often draw him with horns um and it's out of like respect almost is he like a minotaur no not really but he so he was born first from zeus and uh, zeus is notorious for having sex with animals he might be a minotaur so his first birth, his mother was Persephonia. Persephone. Persephone. Um, before she was wed, he went down into the underworld, and Hades was keeping her pe- captured because her beauty was too much, and so many gods wanted her, just like this. Is a, yeah, that's a thing like, that gods do. Yeah. So all these gods wanted her, so they imprisoned her in Hades, and Zeus turned into a serpent, snuck down, ravished her body, but never showing her his true form. Oh, see, he turned the tables there. He turned into an animal, then had sex with a human. What a dirty guy. So, but she knew there was something special about this snake. And then after their thing, it was discovered that she had a baby in her womb, uh, swelled with living fruit, but she was still technically a virgin because he wasn't a human. I don't know. Some weird thing. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. So after that, she gave birth to a baby and they named him Zargus, right? Zargus as a baby, um, was the only other god to be able to sit on Zeus's throne and hold his thunderbolts. So, out of jealousy, Zeus's wife, Hera, or Zeus's, Zeus's daughter, I don't know, anyway, Hera, the god of uh, fertility and uh, harvest, I believe. I could be mistaken on that. Fact check me. Hera's pissed off. She's like, fuck that. That baby's not cool enough to be up there. It's like it wasn't even like a marriage baby. So she tells the Titans, right? Titans at the time were like this huge destructive force that ravished the earth and uh, were the like original creators of the earth as well, um, along with Zeus. So Titans come and figure out that this baby's going to claim Zeus's throne. They decide that they're going to kill him. They try and rip him to pieces. And even as a baby, he's so powerful, he starts transforming into different animals. And then eventually, the way they kill him is he turns into a bull, and Hera shoots him with a bow and kills him. So the Titans don't end up killing him, but then they rip him to pieces. Rip him to pieces and eat him. Well, Zeus then comes down, pissed off, they killed his son, throws thunderbolts and destroys them, giving way for life to humans to be born. Because at the time, humans weren't a thing, but from these ashes of the gods... So it was just titans at that point on the It was just titans. Interesting. And the gods on Olympus. There was a point in the Aztec belief system where giants were on the world, and they actually, like, the gods came down and ate them or something and turned another form of, like, primordial being into the birds and uh, other fauna of our land today. So like humans were not the first in their like mythos at all. It was these weird giant uh, people. Yeah, it's the same way with the Titans, right? Yes. And that's why they say that the ti- the humans were cursed with mortality because they had to live on Earth, but they were imbued with the blessings of the gods 
because they were born from the Titan Ash. Okay, weird side tangent. Do you think mortality is a curse or a blessing? Probably a blessing, but... Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Go, keep going. All right, so anyway, baby dies. Zeus blows up these guys. He gathers all the pieces, right? And then he gives them to Selma, who is the queen of Thebes. She is pregnant, but, like, he didn't have sex with her. He just, like, used her body to try and recreate his son, you know? And this gave way to Dionysus being born. But, once again, uh, Hera, being a dick, goes down and she fucking cuts the baby out of the queen and kills her. And so Zeus goes down and scoops up the baby and he sews him into his thigh. And the baby finishes developing in his thigh and he's born from Zeus's leg. Even though his mother is a human, he is a demigod, but he has full godlike qualities because he was actually born of Zeus. He's the only god not born and from a woman. This is Dionysus. Now, this being born is Dionysus, but his original birth was a different person. So he comes out different this time. Uh, doesn't have the horns necessarily. He might have had them. Zagreus is basically reincarnated into Dionysus. Mm-hmm. Which leads... So Dionysus then, knowing that he's going to be hunted, Zeus sends him to live in this mythical place um, called Nices which is clearly a imaginary spot, it's just an area that doesn't exist. It might have like in the God's realm, mm-hmm. but in all the writings, be it from Homer or from uh, other Greek poets or from just historians that have done the research, it pops up all over the world, right? Like some people say it was in Egypt. Some people say it was in India. Some people say it was like in Greece still. What was it called? Nices. Nices. Nysa. And it's like a, uh, a place where water nymphs live. And he was raised there. And he was raised as a woman because they didn't want Hera to find out that he was alive. Gotcha. So that's why he's kind of seen as perverse almost or over-sexual in some senses of the way. When you say that, do you think they just meant feminine? Yeah, probably. Better though, right? It's better. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Still not very good. Um, sorry, Mark tried to mix dregs of the cocktail i made him with his cocktail we're, and... we're basically at ritual madness at this point we're yeah. doing whatever we can to make these cocktails taste good i'm so sorry i don't even want to post what i put in there that's how embarrassed i am of this cocktail see also with my cocktail you don't have to make anything you do have to acquire quite a few ingredients but it's i wanted to make something that could also be replicated anyway back to dionysus so i just said that he may or may not have horns this is another this is the third time i'm reading that he was born with horns but none of the paintings of him have horns so I'm slightly confused, or the ones that I've seen. Besides the point. So he, he grows up in this weird water nymph home. He becomes an adult, and he decides he wants to travel before he goes back to Greece to, to preach what he's learned in his life so far. Uh, he's a god. He feels like he owes something to the people. So he goes, and he is just traveling, and he discovers the vine. And in reference to him, they talk about the vine a lot. It's grapevines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And he figured out a way to extract their juice and then to keep it healthy. Um, So, of course, at that time, water's not super healthy, so he goes with wine. Creates a juice from these vines. He discovers this. Super crazy. Awesome discovery. And then Hera finds him again, and she makes him go insane. So now he's just traveling blindly. And he goes through India, and he goes to India, and he tells his story, and he seems like a madman but he's talking about reincarnation and it kind of helps develop a relationship with the people of India because 
you know, that's... They're Hindu. They're Hindu. They believe that even if it's before Hinduism, you know, there's something that that belief stems from somewhere. So he either taught them about reincarnation <laughs> or he learned about what he had happened to him, had a name, and kind of birthed it from there. That's so he's so also kind of a god of reincarnation because he's born twice. Right. Right. Um, he kind of gets away from this madness and he learns things and he uh, develops cities along Indian rivers and like builds all these places around his ideals outside of Greece as the Greek god and just kind of develops this culture and then he decides to go back to Greece, right? And he goes back to Greece and starts preaching his words and everyone says, like, this is heresy. Like, how can you say this? How can you believe this? But he has these divine powers, so he takes all the women in this village, or in this city um, of Medinas, goes back to Greece. Um, King of Therse finds out that he's back in his kingdom. He wants to imprison anyone that's decided to follow him and learn from him. And he has one of his spies spying on these people. Dionysus finds out about it, tells the spy to tell him that there's going to be a ritual in the woods and them thinking that he's a perverse human or a perverse god. He's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go see this orgy. And he goes into the woods to check it out. But uh, Dionysus um, infects the whole crowd with this ritual madness, right? which like they're doing a dance around a fire and all of a sudden they start hallucinating and going crazy. And that's where the ritual madness idea comes from. It's like, if you decide you want to follow Dionysus, there's a chance that you're going to get in so deep in the ritual that you go insane. Well, two of the people in the orgy were the King's daughter and wife, right? Or yeah, his two, his daughter and his wife. <laughs> and so the King goes in, they think that the King's a lion for some reason, maybe his crown. I don't know what it is. And they tear him to pieces. And then the queen brings the head of the king back on a spike and presents it to her son, who's now sitting on the throne in the king's absence. He was just watching the throne or something. And so it's just like, whole crowd goes crazy, ends up becoming a city completely almost devoted to Dionysus. <laughs> and he kind of infects them all with this ritual madness. And then he shows them wine and turns them all into the how to say this word Mennonites 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 not Mennonites <laughs> Mennonites um, which is kind of what his ritual people or people that followed him became known as and then eventually they became known as Orphic um, followers now don't get me wrong I love madness as much as the next guy but he only got this power to instill madness because Hera made him go mad correct like, was that the inception of this madness? Or was it, like, I, I don't fully understand. I believe because she made him go mad, he then had the power to make others go mad. I think she, like, incepted it into him. That... Not knowing that he would be able to take on this power. Or the fact that she gifted him that madness, and he was such, a, a like, almost like a prophetic figure, that he was able to then add that to what he was spreading right like the madness seeped into his prophecies almost like that he would like his his ideals that he was also spreading and apparently he was a convincing man that's that's crazy it so, was yeah like that whole story is obnoxious and crazy and awesome like 
and it's all written down by these ancient poets who who knows if they were real they're real stories but you know it's just like the bible or anything like that uh you know the torah whatever you want when i was actually trying to figure out exactly which god or goddess i wanted to talk about i was looking at a at a list and funny enough all of the chinese and like asian uh gods of wine and sake were poets and real people like they they have they they were actually here on earth and it wasn't just like, like I mean, the, the Aztec goes back to before time was created and it, it starts in what I, I guess, as, as a scientist would say is them trying to explain almost the bit how we explain the Big Bang. And, and who knows if, if that is 100 percent real besides the scientists who firmly believe in it. But I mean, that's almost like in my sense, uh, a, a good metaphor for that. Right. Like a dual God who came from nothing. Uh is is a way to try and explain something before the earth is around and and the concept of time and humans at all so it's funny that like there are there's these poets and we like even when we look at the bible and other things like we look at these these saints and these um disciples of these godly figures and we we take that as as you know kind of written word or at least we used to now i feel like as a society we might be veering away how great by the way that we started season two talking about religion how how great (laughs) are we for really just doing that we're talking about two religions that are all but dead true yes but i mean i think it's not super controversial luckily for us but i think there's a lot of telling things within them like that's why i kind of asked you do you think that mortality is a blessing or a curse like do you think especially when you start personifying these gods that's why i was so enchanted with these aztec gods in almost every representation in like media movies tv shows you know we have so much available now whenever you see someone that's like immortal they're like distraught or like torn or like or evil evil or like they're or they're just looking they're not like they don't they've lived long enough Whereas they no longer appreciate being immortal, they just wish they could be mortal and just live a normal life. There's live to see all their friends and family die. Fucking Captain America, even though he's not immortal, like woke up seventy years later. But there's one. It's the same idea. There's one that is different from all of those, and I will bring this out right now. It, it might be one of my favorites because at certain Speaking times, the teenage witch. You wish. No, not I, the new one. The old one. What, they love being immortal. Sure, you're right. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. Mine is different. I thought that was yours. I was trying. No, to no, no, no. no. You, you didn't beat me to it. It's um Morgan Freeman, in in Bruce Almighty. But he's God. Right. Sure. But that is like that's a depiction of uh like these like, are gods too. Like they're like, gods. There's there's immortality and like thinking about it like that. And then there's God who mm, was never. I call I call like, BS because that God in their world is represented as that dual God who might have been peaceful. They don't really, they don't attach a lot of personification to that. They did attach personification to him and Bruce Almighty. And it was as in, to a janitorial position. They made like, and there's a, there's this, I forget the exact like phrasing, but he, he just says, you can always clean it up. <laughs> and, and it's just like, it's true. Like as much of a mess as there is. And like, that was when he kind of had like his relaxing moment, right? That's when um Jim Carrey finally got to like, stop being God and hang out with God and clean up this infinite white floor, which will inevitably get dirty again. 
And I thought that was like a pretty because it, it even though you said, yes, he is the God, they still did personify him very humbly. I'd agree. So um, slightly backtracking to the idea of poets, right? And right. poets being the ones to do that. Uh, I also thought Dionysus would be cool for you because his cult, he had the power to create and inspire ecstasy, which doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. And it can just be like enjoyment and pleasure. Being the, or having the power to create and inspire ecstasy, it was very important in his cults for them to do performing arts and literature. Right. So they always have comedies and tragedies on the Dionysus festivals in Greece. Like some of the original plays in the world were born to honor Dionysus at his festivals. And then um, he's also, they say that the lyric, and I don't know if this is right, diathrams, right? That kind of poem. You've heard of that? No? Uh, diathrams are like a, a style of poem. They're saying that they were invented to honor Dionysus, and that's why they're called diathrams. I'll have to look up what a diathrams is. Diathrams, diathrams. I'm not too sure. It's just a style of poem, I think. Uh, I could tell you it's right. No, it's um, But also, his festivals were just a huge excuse to get drunk. Hey, that's pretty much all I got on Dionysus. I love the guy. He's good. I like him. He is an interesting god. Uh, and like just the story of him is awesome. That he was supposed to be the most powerful god of all time, and then he was like struck down. Oh, also, he's the only demigod, because he is technically a demigod, because the second mother was a human, although he was born of Zeus's thigh, to be allowed to sit on Olympus. Because you have to be full god to do that, but since he was born of Zeus's thigh, his blood was rich enough, whereas he was one of the 12 gods on Olympus. Yeah, Hercules couldn't do that shit. Nah. Hercules was subpar to our boy Dionysus. Yeah, and, you know, he didn't have horns, so... That going for him. True. I thought you said Dionysus didn't either, though. I mean, it's it's iffy. They all say he has horns, but nobody draws him with horns. His statues don't have horns. So why would you bring that up as a point? I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> they said he was born with horns. Twice. Zagros was the man with horns, if yeah. I listen to your story correctly. Yeah, but then they say in the second birth that he came out with horns, and they adorned him with thorned snakes and... Uh, vines and that's why he had a affliction for vines your guy sounds evil he's just like he's like loki i think who and is like evil he's not evil he's the god of mischief he's still a god he's he's evil in like, so is hades what is your definition of evil hades isn't necessarily evil you know i asked you, you a simple question and you deflected with hades isn't necessarily evil he's a scorned He's angry because he is a god. He is the brother of Zeus, and he has to go live in literally hell. I don't think that I know any, like, I don't, haven't, haven't had experience with true evil in my life. Or I have, like, an instance where, like, that was evil. So. I've had, like, shitty instances, you know, disappointing moments, things like that. All, you know, any type of, like, sad moment. But I don't think I've ever experienced like something that I would call evil. So you can't, you wouldn't be able to pick it off. The I show. think evil is, I think evil is a idea created to make media and stories more interesting. I don't think it's something that exists in our world. I think there's evil people. No, that's a lie. Okay. Yeah, I believe I, in malintent. I think malintent. I think I've never experienced evil in my life, 
but there are there is evil in the world like evil to me would be having no remorse um being willing to do things that are can i give you a situation real quick yeah like if i murdered a bunch of children that's <laughs> okay evil. All right, Anakin, I love this conversation uh, because I think you need that. That moral compass is it's it's a very gray area and it's hard to really define that sort of thing. So I'm going to give you a bit of a situation. You are back in those days, right? You uh, have not been visited by Dionysus, so you are not touched with madness or anything. You are kind of a neutral Greek person just living below Mount Olympus and you have a decision to make. You can go and start living closer to the base of the mountain and start trying to get in the eye of the gods, Zeus mainly, the most powerful god who lives high up there on the throne. Or you can go and try to make, honestly, possibly more of a, of a better living for yourself, kind of in the outskirts but it's going to be more down towards the river of the damned. You're going to be kind of like closer to sticks, right? You're going to be you're going to be down there. Where do you and you can go wherever you want. It you're not going to be living the luxury life and you're going to have to be groveling for a bit of affection from Zeus, but over in the sticks area, you could honestly make make some rather interesting moves where you would have to cozy up with Hades. What do you do? Based off of Hades I mean, not if, being if necessarily evil. If you're asking me who is a... Like, based off of those... I put my mindset into that. Yeah, I'd you Obviously, are, at the time, if, you, if I was an ancient Greek person, I would go to the gods. To the gods. Um, Because I would fear their wrath. Over more. Hades, who is also a god? But Hades isn't going to give me wrath like that. Because he doesn't leave the underworld. The gods can come down and fucking smite me. From Mount Olympus. I think Hades leaves the underworld. I don't think he has as much power. Not, not as a, not in his current form though. He has to turn into like a serpent. Well, okay. I think we've, I think we've gotten in the weeds enough about these gods. You were supposed to bring up March Madness. That's not my job. I don't know fucking sports. We're on ritualistic madness. We're getting there. What I really wanted to bring up was that even though you don't give a fuck, is that UCLA? <gasps> is, I do give a fuck. Is playing Michigan State in the play-in games? You to see. LA. Yeah, yeah. UCLA. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, anyway, so that's like, so there's four playing games in the tournament to kind mm -hmm. of, so instead of 68 teams, there's, or 64 teams, there's actually 68. And if whoever wins that game, they get to go in and be like whatever seed that is. Mm -hmm. So that game is on Thursday at 9 p.m. And it's UCLA versus Michigan State just to see if they get a chance to play in the tournament as the 11 seed. And every year I do two brackets for money, or I do two groups of them, but I do two in each of them. And I always pick Michigan State to win one. But if for some reason UCLA wins, since that game's not decided, and they make it into the tournament and win the whole thing, then I still win. My papu loved UCLA. So I've actually been to a lot of UCLA basketball games uh, as a child. You know that the player of the year for the NCAA is the John Wooden Award. Mm -hmm. yeah. I did know that. Yeah. I did know that. Yeah, so my family is a huge UCLA fan, except for my father, who is a huge USC fan. So, yeah, we were split right down the middle uh, when it came to stuff like that. I, I sided with UCLA for the most part. Well, I grew up a Michigan fan, and my entire family is Michigan fans, and I decided to go to Michigan State. Love it. Just, uh, you know, 
Uh, Michigan State is often called little brother. So, you know, I had to, had to live that up. Live up Don't that. know why our campus is bigger and we have more students, but, you know, we're the little brother. Fuck. He's, he's, not, he's not sore about anyway, it. Anyway, so that's exciting. Uh, I thought it was cool, just California and Michigan, you know, both of us were we're originally from. Yeah. Um, yeah. Playing, just to get a chance to play in the tournament. You know, maybe I will be paying attention this season. Yeah, I mean, the season, this is the end of the season. Well, maybe I'm going to start turning TV on. The regular on. season's maybe. over. And other than that, it should just shake up to be a really interesting year. There's no Duke for the first time in, I think, 17 years. I might be wrong. But it's been almost two decades since Duke hasn't been in the tournament, and they're not in it this year. There's some interesting things that could play out because there's alternate teams set up to come in, but there's teams that are closer to the top, like Kansas and Virginia, that are having problems with COVID-related stuff. So if they can't get their players cleared, they might not be able to fill a roster. I say, before we get too carried away, let's decide who the winning god is. We have Dionysus, the god of wine, Greek god of wine, and Maya Huel, the Aztec goddess of agave. I think they're both really cool. I think Dionysus' like origin story, as crazy as hers was, is like hers plus even more madness. Yeah. I like the fact that he like traveled the world to, to see how to learn and appreciate what other cultures do and then brought it back to Greece and is said to have like change the culture but he's a villain he's not a villain he's a villain he's not everywhere he goes he instills madness after a certain point i will i will say this i will wager this he created he started as a pretty cool guy who just wanted to make wine and fresh drinking beverages for people right because the water was probably not great and then he went mad and i'm gonna say that's Hera's fault um then he snapped out of the madness but he kept instilling madness. Well, he instills it because he is who he is. Right. So I'm going to say that if you objectively... Madness, if you orgies in the woods. If you... And killing... Okay. I don't want to unpack the fact that you were having sex with your daughter and then you killed your husband and you think that's okay and you don't know what evil is. But we're just going to end she there. thought he was a lion. You're going to... We're going to end there because obviously Dimitri's morality is is really up to question right now. But I think your God is evil and I think mine's endearing, but also weak because she she was locked away. And I know that's not necessarily her fault, but she thought that a good response to that was to sing. And I think that's a little foolhardy. Granted, it's probably what I would do, but, you know, just to pass the time. But you're not getting away by just singing. And it did work out in her favor in the end, but also led to her demise. So in sheer strength, I say Yes, Dionysus wins, but as far as character goes, I think Maya Huel is more pure and kind of, I mean, it's a sad yeah, story. she's pure. She's pure. Whatever. It wasn't a discussion of who's pure, it's who's right. the cooler god. One thing I do want to say in defense of Dionysus and your claims that he's a villain. I think he's is a Is that he created these groups, and yes, they call them cults, but the followers in his cults were very peaceful people, and people like to pick on them because they thought they were all a bunch of drunks but they actually drank responsibility responsibly and just drank enough to make themselves more mad mad (laughs) to stave away the madness by being drunk oh so it was kind of like a dampener yeah okay the madness of the world hey if you don't if you don't go mad i don't know what you're doing wrong I guess the moral of the story today is um, 
you know? Dimitri always wins. Nah, I don't think that's necessarily it. Because your winning means join a cult and drink the Kool-Aid. And I don't know Hell if I subscribe yeah. to that Get specific belief system. But, uh, you guys, I hope you had a fun time in this madness. Uh, we have been in Poor Spirits as always. You can follow us on Instagram at in Poor Spirits and Twitter. Twitter at in Poor Spirits. I love you guys, but you know, I'm, I'm getting bored talking to myself, so someone's got to start talking back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're going to be more active if we can. I know I've been bad on the Instagram post, but you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, we hope that you have a good one. Whatever you do, do it responsibly. Uh, we love you. We'll see you next time.